Welcome everyone. It is episode 63 of Future Flicks with Billiam, and we have some movies for you, as we always do. We also have some news and some trailers, not as many as last week, but it is still an interesting news week. What movies are coming out? What news and trailers are there? Stay tuned and find out. It's the week of October 20th, 2017, and this is Future Flicks with Billiam. Alright everyone, welcome. Welcome to the show, and welcome back to the show if you are a return listener. You know, there's more and more of us each week, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate the support, and I'm glad that people actually want to listen to what I have to say. Either that, or it's a pity listen. Yay! Either way, it's a listen. Thank you! A few episodes back, I talked about a new show I've been working on, and it dawned on me that I may have to wait until December for this show to drop, just because November is National Novel Writing Month, and I once again am taking part in it, and I hope to complete it this year. I've done six years of it, and I've completed two, and if you don't know, National Novel Writing Month happens every November, and you have to write 50,000 words of a book in that time. All right, the rules are a little lenient. You can jump in between novels as long as you write. Writing is what's important. You can write a whole bunch of short stories. You can write a script if you want. Poetry? Uh, yeah, I guess. If you want to write 50,000 words of poetry, you can try. But I will be focusing a lot on that. The show will not suffer. I am going to put the show first with NaNoWriMo or NaNoWriMo coming in a close second. Do I sound a little different again? Well, that's because I decided against the windscreen and I'm using a pop filter again. So that way I won't have to edit out all the pops in post and have certain words sound really weird. And I apologize for last week. That was an experiment and I'm going back to the good old pop filter. There we go. Plus it also looks fancier. It almost looks like I'm a professional and I know what I'm doing. Well, let's get past the first round of housekeeping. So welcome to Future Flicks. I am your host, Billiam, and let me give you a little information on what it is I do here in case you're new. On Future Flicks, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, and my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score is based only on the trailer and sometimes news if I know any about the movie. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me on Twitter at BilliamSWN and Instagram at BilliamSWN there as well. Also email BilliamReviews at gmail.com. So let's move on from the housekeeping to our first segment, which as always is the news. Mama Mia, here we go again, has added a cast member, Cher. Remember her? She's still alive. You know, I completely forgot about her. I forgot she was even a person. The last song of hers I was even aware of was Believe from like 2001, was it? I don't care enough to look it up, but yeah, she's still around. So it'll be good to see her, see what she looks like now, now that she's, 
I don't know, what, 60, 70? And I actually saw that on Twitter, so I don't know who to credit for that article. According to Slash Film, Deadpool 2 and X-Men Dark Phoenix have wrapped production. I have high hopes for Deadpool 2, which is set for a June 1st, 2018 release, but I do not have high hopes for X-Men, as Sophie Turner is a poor choice for Jean Grey, and this movie revolves around her. I really think the X-Men movies hit their peak at Days of Future Past, and it's just been... Okay, well, there's actually only been one movie since then, and Age of, of Apocalypse was just mediocre. Gambit will see the silver screen after all, this according to Variety. Channing Tatum is said to play the bomb-wielding Cajun, and Gore Verbinski of Pirates of the Caribbean and A Cure for Wellness is set to direct. I think I'm one of the few people actually looking forward to this. I really like Channing Tatum. I think he's a good actor, but a lot of people refuse to see it. They just see the guy that was in Step Up and Magic Mike, but they conveniently ignore how awesome he was in Foxcatcher. The sequel to The Strangers has a full title and release date now. Collider reports that The Strangers, Pray at Night, is set to star Christina Hendricks and will be directed by Johan Roberts of 47 Meters Down. Now, time will tell if it's been too long, because the movie The Strangers was good, and a lot of people liked it, a lot of people wanted a sequel. There has been talk about a sequel for a while now, and we haven't seen anything, just like Jeepers Creepers 3, which did eventually see the light of day, but no one gave a shit. Well, now this one is, and only time will tell if they do it right. Unfortunately, I don't know what right would be. I believe it's just going to be more of the same, and that's what I want. But if they try too hard to recapture the feeling of the first one, and it starts to feel try-hardish, then they failed. E! Online reports that Michael Fassbender and Alicia Vikander are married officially becoming one of the prettiest couples to exist in Hollywood. They, of course, did the movie together, The Light Between Oceans, which was the saddest book I have ever read, and I am never going to see that movie because I still get depressed thinking about that terrible book. And in sad news, this coming from E.T. Canada, actor John F. Dunsworth from Trailer Park Boys has passed away at the age of 71, and one more sad story, actor Roy Dotris from the movie Amadeus and Hellboy 2 passed away at the age of 94. And with that, that, that was the last story, so let's jump into the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. The New Mutants has a trailer, and I'm not sure what to think at all. It looks more like a horror than it does an X-Men film. I'm half excited because I like the changeup, but at the same time I'm a bit scared because what are they doing with these characters? And Slash Film actually reported that this is going to be the first in a horror trilogy of X-Men movies. Woody Allen's new movie has a trailer, and it's called Wonder Wheel, and it's an Amazon movie. It's going to get a limited release in theaters before being released on Amazon. The theatrical release date is December 1st, but I'm not sure if the Amazon release date is going to be the same date or how long after. The question is, do you want to watch a Woody Allen movie? Does the fact that he's a pervert affect your willingness to watch his work? And the fact that he's a pervert aside, if we can just ignore that for just one moment, his movies aren't for everyone. Even before all that pervy sh happened, his movies weren't for everyone. So that really limits who's going to watch this movie. And the question is, are you going to watch that? For me, yeah, sure, I'll watch it when it hits Amazon, but I'm not going to pay to see it. We have a teaser trailer for Castle Rock. This is a show on Hulu produced by J.J. Abrams based on the work of Stephen King. 
This show is going to be all about the stories that take place in Castle Rock, and Stephen King has a lot of them. Just like a lot of his stories take place in Derry, Maine, or like two or three of them actually take place in Derry, Maine, Castle Rock is a big location for him. There's the Dead Zone, there's Cujo, there's The Body, which the movie Stand By Me was turned into. There's The Dark Half and Needful Things, Gwendy's Button Box, which was released this year, and a lot of others I didn't even mention. And finally, if you've been living under a rock, then you may not know that the Stranger Things Season 2 final trailer has released. If you've never watched Season 1, then there's no better time to start. It's a fantastic show that should have already been watched by everyone. Why haven't you watched this yet? Season 2 looks like it's going to be great. We're going to dive more into the mythos of what the f*** is everything. What's that floaty tentacly thing in the sky? Where did you know who go? And I said you know who just to avoid spoilers for people who haven't seen it. Even though it's been over a year for the show and at this point it's your fault, I'm gonna be kind on this one. Check out the trailer if you haven't seen it yet. It looks fantastic. And with that, let's take a break and listen to a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational snarf Chris and the cunning critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast, Someone to Read a Comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Welcome back to the show, and it's time to jump right into the movies with the first movie this week, called BPM, Beats Per Minute. Set in the 1990s, AIDS is an epidemic in Paris, and Act Up Paris, a social justice group, fights against the indifference facing AIDS. Nathan, a newcomer to the group, has his eyes opened and his world shaken by Sean, a radical activist. This is a French movie, so I'm not going to list any of the actors, because unless you're very into French cinema, you're not going to know any of them. What sets this movie apart from a lot of the movies I talk about is the fact that this is simultaneously a good-looking movie, a really good-looking movie, but something that I'm not going to put a lot of effort into seeing, even though it looks good. And that's because of the topic, I'm going to admit. No, I don't always avoid movies with real and hard-hitting topics. I do see them, but I usually just see them once and go, wow. That was a good movie, and then I never see it again. And this movie is also going to 
have two really big groups. It's going to separate people into these groups about why you go see movies and what kind of movies you're even willing to go see. So there's a group that mainly wants to be entertained. And even if they watch something dramatic and not necessarily happy, they're going for entertainment purposes. And then there's the group of people who go because they want more from their movies. And I'm not saying that you can't jump between two groups, not at all. But a movie like this, a movie this serious, this deep, this real is not going to have a wide appeal. Not at all. But back to this movie. This looks like a well-shot movie and it looks really well acted. The soundtrack, at least in the trailer, was great. And it felt like the 90s without being overly in-your-face 90s, which would then make it a period piece. This film looks like it offers a very honest and real portrayal of life in the 90s, and it offers up this telling of a story that not many of us know. So this movie deals with a very dark and very real topic, and is that the kind of movie you want to watch? Unfortunately for a lot of us, that answer is going to be no. Who this movie was made for is for people who are passionate about this, who are very deeply moved and concerned about this topic, and also the fans of indie cinema and fans of foreign cinema. And that is a small group. Those weeks that I do decide to talk about the weekend box office, and sometimes I talk about the indie box office and how it's like, oh, this movie made $77,000. It did really well. If some mainstream movie made that in one weekend, it would be a gigantic disaster. So looking at it like that, you can really tell that this movie isn't expecting a huge audience. What it's really trying to do is send a message. Now the question is, do you want to be on the receiving end of that message? Me? Eventually, yeah, maybe I'll watch it. But the trouble with films like this is that they're really hard to find just because like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon aren't going to jump up and try and get this. And even if they do, even if I'm completely wrong on that, they're not going to advertise it. Go, hey, look, we got beats per minute. This movie about AIDS. So even if they do get it, are we going to know? So if you have any interest in this, put it on your list. If you're really interested in this, then make a point to try and see it in theaters. But other than that, let this pass you by. Because folks, at the end of the day, I am reviewing this as a movie, and I'm not reviewing the social cause. And as a movie, beats per minute gets a 6 out of 11. Wow, this episode started off depressing, didn't it? Am I back to my old ways? Maybe. Because let's get into the documentaries next. There are three of them this week, and you know what? They look pretty good. But even though they look pretty good, are they worth seeing? That's the question. The next movie on the list is a documentary called The Work. Set inside Folsom Prison, where three men participate in a four-day group therapy retreat with some of the incarcerated men. Huh, that's not actually a complete sentence. Teaches me to do my notes when I'm sleepy, huh? Screw it. I'll leave it like that. All right, we're leaving it like that. Let's go. So this is... A group therapy session that they took cameras in to make a movie about. And the fact that this is set inside Folsom Prison should say a lot. That it's not just some church retreat. Again, not saying anything bad about church retreat. This is just being a comparison where we just have a bunch of people in a room talking about their problems. What we have here are criminals. Like, honest to God, criminals in this room with these three men, all who are taking part in this group therapy. And the trailer is basically this guy just leading this weird chant. And as a chant goes on, they just show a montage of different scenes from the movie. And there's a lot of fighting and crying and hugging and talking. And you see these gigantic ass burly 
freaking men tattooed people who looked like they probably murdered a person or two, breaking down in tears. And that's right, we're jumping right into another heavy movie right after BPM. And this one is actually a documentary, so we're see we're gonna see these people having real emotions because we have no idea what their backstory is, but I bet you it's not good. People who commit these crimes, like these murders and these assaults and other terrible things, haven't had the easiest life. And also, they're in prison. They have to keep this front going that they're strong, not show any weakness, otherwise they will be pounced upon. No matter what TV show I've seen prison shown in, anything from Arrested Development to Law and Order, it's always survival of the fittest, and it's always you have to be tough. You can't show weakness. Maybe you should join a gang so you can stay alive. So these men who have been living in this concrete jungle for who knows how long have all this stuff on their back are finally getting a chance to get it out and who knows just how much there is. So that's why I think on our hands right here we have a very powerful movie or at least what could be a very powerful movie depending on how it's presented and that could shake people. But again, no matter what I say about this, it's a documentary. So more so than other movies, it's less about what I say and more about how you feel. And while that could always be the case with movies, hell, the new Star Wars movie, it's all it's mainly about what you think and less about what I say. But I like to think at least sometimes I could present a movie in a certain way that can change your mind on it. But when it comes to documentaries, even though there's a narrative the director is working with, it's still not a fictional movie or at least one based off real events. There's not going to be a clear-cut beginning, middle, and end with a very satisfying or at least mildly satisfying story arc. What we're just getting is a glimpse into what happened behind the walls of Folsom Prison when these men went into it to have this group therapy session with these criminals. And even though I think this looks like a well-shot movie, it looks like, well, it looks like it's well-presented. And even though I like what they're trying to do, I still don't think I would watch this. I'm not interested enough in this to see it. But what say you? Are you interested enough? As for me, this needs a bill score. So the work gets a 4.5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the second of 14 movies this week. I'll, I'll try to shorten them up so we don't go too long. I really don't want to go over an hour here. But let's jump into the next documentary, which I'll try to be quicker about which is called Delt. This is a documentary about Richard Turner, a 62-year-old who is highly regarded as one of the world's greatest card magicians. The catch? He's legally blind. All right, finally, a documentary that I know I want to see. I love magic. The quickest way for me to waste hours of time is to just marathon ep episodes of Penn and Teller's Fool Us or whatever that show is. But anyway, this is about a guy who knows cards inside and out. He can cut a deck of cards with one hand the same way any of us take a breath, or with the same ease, that is, that many of us take a breath. In the documentary, whenever you see him, he has a pack of cards in his hand, or a deck of cards in his hand, and he's just working with it. And so this guy, who can't see anymore, at least by not any legal standard, knows these tricks so well that he doesn't even need to see what's going on. He knows that if I do this with this card, this with this card, I can palm this and I and I do this little trick here or I or I deal from the bottom, but do it so quickly that you can't even see. And I know if I do that, that this will be your card each and every goddamn time because I am a magician. 
See, I am very jealous of this man's card abilities because for for a long time I tried to practice card tricks and I learned that there was so much I couldn't do because for my size I have small hands. And I'm also double jointed and a lot of people are double jointed but with me when I try to do these tricks with one hand my hands lock up and I just can't do it. But this guy can do it with a major disability. So it seems like this documentary is cut up into a couple parts. The first is him growing up and when he learned he's going to lose his sight and then what that was like and then him and his card tricks and then also talking a bit about how people who cheat at cards do it so well and showing you those tricks so this is going to be a very interesting documentary whenever you choose to watch it because guess what you know what i'm going to say so i'm not even going to say it but what i will say is this looks like it'll be a good watch it's an 85 minute documentary it's not very long so if this ever pops up on a streaming service i recommend you watch it if you find it on Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon, what's the worst case scenario? What, you don't like it and so you turn it off? Ooh, no. So I recommend this if you can see it anywhere for free. Delt gets a 7 out of 11. And next up, and I promise it's the third and final documentary, which is called Ida's Secrets. During World War II, two brothers are separated. Now they're reunited, but they want answers. Their mother gives them some but to find the rest, they must start digging. So this documentary, and I've made this comparison before, reminds me a lot of an episode of Dateline NBC, but that could be because of the formula and the formula works. Also, this is a movie, so it won't have those commercial breaks right before something is revealed. And what the detective found out changed the course of the investigation. But now a word from our sponsors. And you know what? I didn't realize this. I I'm sorry for the way this episode was laid out. I didn't realize how heavy this started. I know I started with a heavy one with BPM, but then the order I put the movies in, I didn't realize it was all so dark in the beginning. Because guess what? This movie is about what happened to a family during World War II. And not just that, but a Jewish family. And we all know from countless different movies and guess what? The history books as well that it was a terrible time to be a Jewish family anywhere in Europe. So when this investigation gets going, when they start doing the digging, it's going to be heavy and it is going to be depressing. If you're a buff of world war ii movies then this should be one on your list because even though we've heard stories like this before about families separated during the war about families broken up because of the holocaust each story deserves to be told and not all the stories are the same and what's more is that this is a real story told from the family's point of view true i don't think the kids were at the time were old enough to remember it. The mother is still alive and she was. Though it seems that at least through the trailer that she was keeping her mouth shut about a lot of it. And as we can all imagine for very good reasons. I have some shit from my past that I don't like talking about and it was not even a fraction of what they went through. It's like comparing a toothpick to a fucking redwood tree. And if I don't want to talk about my past, God knows that they have very good reason. This is going to be a heavy documentary. Looks like it'd be a good story to tell, something that should be told, but do you want to know it? That's the question. Ada's Secrets gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, I'm sorry. This episode started off really serious, so let us lighten the mood up a bit with a good old-fashioned murder. The next movie is called Tragedy Girls. Two teenage girls want more followers on Twitter, so they start tweeting about tragedies that they committed. The two girls start murdering people and tweeting about the serial killer in town and watch as their popularity rises. This stars Brianna Hildebrand from Deadpool, Alexa Shipp from X-Men Apocalypse, Josh Hutcherson from The Hunger Games, 
and Craig Robinson from This Is The End. So, you know, when they come to me, I like to make comparisons between movies. Like, oh, this movie is a love child between this and that. And every once in a while, a trailer does a better job than I can, and this is one of those times. The trailer for Tragedy Girls says it's like the Heathers meets Scream, and that is a really good combination. Remember the Heathers from 1988 with Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, and Shannon Doherty about that girl who wants to kill all the popular kids? And of course, Scream. Everyone knows that one. So the Heathers was a dark comedy. And that's exactly what this is, because there are quite a few scenes in this trailer that tried to be funny. And I thought it was funny, but not the laugh out loud kind of funny. This was the kind of funny where I sat there and went, huh, oh, I get it. That's clever. Which, I mean, that's not bad. At least I understood the joke. At least I didn't hate it, but it didn't get a reaction out of me. So at the very least, this isn't going to be a bad comedy. It's just not going to be very good. But this is also a new take on having modern social media in horrors. We saw that a couple weeks back in Friend Request. The movie Wish Upon kind of dealt with that a little bit, not a whole lot. But this one looks like it actually uses the social media aspect well. It doesn't just throw it in to try and attract a young crowd. And what I like best about this movie is that it doesn't look like just some trashy horror. This actually looks smart. Not that there's anything wrong with a just a standard brutal slashy horror movie. Those are great. But this one is trying to be something different and it looks like it does it well. But as you'll notice, I'm saying good things about this, but it's not anywhere near the top, which means it's not the pick, which means that this isn't going to be worth a shot in theaters. Of course, I don't really see this having a wide release. When I was looking this movie up, I didn't see anything saying that it was going to be a limited release, but even then, I don't think it's going to be as big as some of the bigger movies I'm going to talk about this week. So it may be a little harder to find. So this could be worth putting on next year's Halloween movie marathon. And I know I talk about that a lot. I talk about Halloween movie marathons a lot, but that is the perfect excuse to watch these movies that you normally would never watch. And it's a perfect excuse to just sit down either by yourself, with a loved one, with some friends, and just have a good time. Watch these cheesy movies that you would normally never watch. And my friends, Tragedy Girls is the perfect movie for that. Tragedy Girls gets a 7 out of 11. And now it's time for a movie that I've heard about for a while. And you know how every once in a while there are these movies that hit the indie scene that people really buzz about for a while before it becomes released. La La Land was one of these, Moonlight, Fruitvale Station, movies like that. Sometimes it's an acclaimed director, sometimes it has a really good cast, sometimes it's based off something people really like, and other times it's just so weird that it catches people's attention. This movie is a combination of two of those. The next movie on the list is The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Stephen, a charismatic surgeon, is forced to make an unthinkable sacrifice after his life starts to fall apart, when the behavior of a teenage boy he has taken under his wing turns sinister. This stars Colin Farrell from In Bruges, Nicole Kidman from Moulin Rouge, Alicia Silverstone from Clueless, Barry Keohan from Dunkirk, and Rafi Cassidy from Tomorrowland. So that premise I gave you, I pulled directly from IMDb because I have no idea what this movie's about. IMDb classes this movie as a drama horror mystery, which means that it's going to be an indie horror with a little bit of mystery in it. The mystery is, 
what the f*** is this movie about? It's kind of hinted that Colin Farrell, who's the surgeon, that part's not hinted, but it's hinted that he somehow operates on his family, or who I assume is his family, to keep them idle. So he takes away their ability to walk. And that is somehow tied to this kid that comes around and is turning evil or something. It felt like the trailer was trying a little too hard. Like this could be an okay movie, but we have no way of telling because the trailer was just all over the place. I mean, it does suck when a trailer shows too much, when you can guess what's happening or what's going to happen because of the trailer. But it also sucks when the trailer doesn't tell you anything at all. All this trailer told me that some weird shit is going down. That's it. So here's, I, I just watched the trailer again, and here's what I was able to piece together. That this kid, played by Barry Keoghan, or Keohan, or whatever his name is, kind of has a thing for this teenage girl who just happens to be the daughter of Colin Farrell. Something happens to her. I don't know. And she somehow loses the ability to walk. So I'm no longer positive that it's Colin Farrell doing this. Maybe somehow it's the kid. But then she's talking to Nicole Kidman saying, oh, you're going to lose the ability to move too. And it's not so bad. You'll see. And then we see this kid standing over her bed watching her lay there. But we also see the kid and Colin Farrell walking around. And it's implied that Colin Farrell had something to do with the kid's father's death. And all throughout the trailer, the teenage girl is singing Burn by Ellie Goulding for some weird reason. The trailer also says that it's a full-blown psychological horror. Which means, oh good, not even they know what the fuck's going on, so how are we supposed to know? Okay, here's the bottom line. This could be good, but it's not worth the risk. This movie could be utter garbage. The type of movie that is made just so hipsters can say, oh, I love horror. Did you see that movie, The Killing of a Sacred Deer? Oh, you've probably never heard of it. So this could be good, it could be terrible, but there's not enough pointing towards the good side to risk seeing this. Maybe one day if you can see it for free, i.e. Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, then check it out. If not, let this pass you by. The Killing of a Sacred Deer gets a 4.5 out of 11. Alright, we have two movies left until the break. Let's jump right into the next one, which is called Only the Brave. Based on the true story of the Granite Mountain Hotshots, a group of elite firefighters risk everything to protect a town from a historic wildfire. This stars Josh Brolin from Sicario, Miles Teller from War Dogs, the dude Jeff Bridges, Jennifer Connelly from A Beautiful Mind, and Taylor Kitsch from John Carter. So who doesn't love a good movie about firefighters? There's Towering Inferno, there's Backdraft, there's Roxanne. But the thing is, they don't really do well in theaters. I mean, how many of them have you actually seen besides maybe the ones I've mentioned? Okay, maybe we saw Ladder 49. That was a movie from early 2000s with uh, John Travolta and Joaquin Phoenix. But really, unless they're Backdraft and Towering Inferno, they're not really well remembered. Firefighters are Huge heroes risking their lives to save people, to save property, to just overall save the day. But movies about them are forgettable. And that's where Only the Brave comes in. I think this is going to be a good movie, but it's going to be more like Ladder 49 than it is going to be Backdraft. That is to say, it will do mediocre to poor in theaters, and critics will hate it, fans will like it, but ultimately we will all forget about it. And I'm not saying this just because of the movie looks bad or anything. No, it, it looks really good. But 
this is coming out at a time where it's going to be being put up against bigger movies that are coming out this week. Movies that have been advertised for longer and that have bigger advertising budgets. And it comes in between bigger movies like we had Blade Runner and next week we have Jigsaw. Hell, last week we had Happy Death Day, which won the weekend. But enough about how this movie's gonna do. What does it look like? It looks pretty good. We have Josh Brolin playing this old firefighter captain. I don't, I don't actually know what he is, if he's a captain or not. I just know he's a leader of this group. And apparently when firefighters fight wildfires, they, they do it differently than building fires. Well, obviously, but how it's set up is different. Whereas there are the people that are called the hotshots. According to this movie, I don't know if this is true. If any firefighters out there know the answer, let me know. But these hotshots actually go towards a fire, put themselves all up in it to stop it. And there's this other group that basically comes in afterwards and puts the finishing touches on it. And according to the trailer, there's kind of a rivalry where the hotshots are like, oh, look, we actually go in there and do this. You guys stand back and watch us. You're pussies. So Josh Brolin is in charge of this group and they really want to be the hotshots. Well, guess what? Their time has come. And not just that, but one of the newest firefighters just had a baby. This film actually kind of feels like if Backdraft and the Perfect Storm had a baby. And I don't remember the story. I don't remember what, what happened with the Granite Mountain hotshots. Did they survive? Did they save the day? Did they save the day but die? I really hope they didn't die. Just because, I mean, this is based on a true story. You don't want heroes like that to die. You never want the hero to die. But the reason I brought up the fact that I don't know what happened in real life is the fact that that leaves the movie open. So I can't go in prepared for tragedy. I can't go in prepared for a happy ending, which is good. But of course, even if we did know how it was going to end, there's something different about movies based on true stories. Just think of movies based around 9-11. You go into it, you know it's not going to end well. Best case scenario, that particular story you're watching has a happy ending or a somewhat happy ending, but there's still the overall tragedy of what happened that day. But with movies like that, you don't go in to be surprised. You go in to see the story and to appreciate what happened to these people. But no matter how this movie is going to be viewed, no matter if you know what happens, so you're going in like the latter, or you don't know what happens and you're going in prepared for the former, if the movie's no good, it's going to be bad no matter what you're prepared for. But the good news is this does look good. This looks like it's well acted, well shot, well directed. There does look like some parts where there's some cheesy CG, but that's probably because the animal handlers wouldn't let them set a bear on fire. Weird, right? Okay, joking aside, cheesy CG aside, it still looks like a good movie. I think this is going to be worth a watch. Maybe even in theaters if the bigger movies this week don't interest you and you still really want to see a movie. This is going to be a story we're going to want to see. This is a story that deserves to be told. And whether you watch it in theaters or whether you watch it at home, I think this is something you should watch. Maybe you just watch it once and you go, okay, great, that was that was a good movie and you never watch it again. Or maybe it goes on your list of movies to rewatch because you like it. Either way, this should be viewed. Only the Brave could say 7.5 out of 11. And you know what? I'm going to do two more movies before the break, and they're both the offerings from India of the week. And one of them I don't have a lot to say about, the other one I have a little more. So why not just do them all before the break? Sounds good, right? The next movie I'm going to talk about, briefly, is called Golmal Again. This is the fourth installment in the Golmal series. And yes, I don't really know what this is about. I watched a couple trailers, even with subtitles. I'm just, uh, what? Confused on it? 
from what I can tell, these this group of guys are somehow always involved in these movies. And this time they're moving into this mansion or something that's haunted, but not haunted. And one of them is falling for this beautiful woman, because guess what? It's a Bollywood movie. There's always handsome men, beautiful women, dance numbers, fancy cars, big sweeping scenes of beautiful scenery. But this looks like a goofy comedy from India. We don't really get a lot of truly goofy comedies. We'll get a lot of goofy rom-coms where it's funny, some of it's silly, but there is a distinct plot, but this one seems a little more irreverent. I really don't have a lot to say about it because it truly doesn't interest me. If you want to watch a silly Indian comedy about a group of guys in a haunted house and they're fighting for the affection of this woman and there's a lot of fast cars and them on skateboards jumping over fast cars and laying on fast cars as it does donuts around this group of people, then this is your movie. Otherwise, just guess what? Skip it. Gold Mall again gets a three out of 11. Well, let's not waste any more time and jump into the final movie before the break. And that is the last Indian movie called Secret Superstar. Insia has a dream of becoming a famous musician. Her mother supports this dream, but her father runs the household with an iron fist and will hear nothing of it. So she starts a secret YouTube channel that blows up and her songs become famous. But what will she do about her father? And here's where my lack of knowledge of Bollywood movies really hinders me. I don't know how many times this story has been told in India before. But of course, that would matter more if someone from India was listening to my show. As for you guys, you won't know how many times this story has been told before because you probably haven't seen many, if any, movies from India. This movie looks cute. It looks like a good attempt at a heartfelt drama, but it feels, it feels like drama light. It feels like they got really close to being really good, but didn't quite get it. The main actress, Zyra Wasim, looks, looks good. But it looks like she has a long way to go before she really gets comfortable in movies because it looks like she's not quite there yet. And because I'm talking to you, a mainly American audience, because I know I have listeners from outside the United States, but mainly American listeners, for you to go out of your way to see a movie from another country... It has to be pretty good. And let me make it abundantly clear to people who are listening from outside of America. First off, thank you. Thank you for listening. But also, it's difficult for us to see these movies because normally only super specialty theaters will have them or big theaters in a city that has a huge population of a certain ethnicity. Thus, they will show movies from that country. Now that I'm done explaining that, this looks okay, but it doesn't look like anything you should put any time into seeing. Even if you're in India, this movie still looks like something you should wait for streaming. Secret Superstar gets a 5 out of 11. And with that, my friends, it is time for the final break on Future Flicks, and we'll be right back. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, -wall, filthy f 
fucking language. Go to a grocery store. I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up. How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that. Fucking jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. I'm Dan. I'm Jeff. And we're the Uncore Gamers. Have you been looking for a video game podcast where people don't get insider knowledge, where people don't have access to games early, and they're just everyday Joes like you? Is that the same podcast that I've been looking for where sometimes we don't even talk about video games? That's right. This is the Uncore Gamers, the gaming podcast where we talk about games when there's gaming news. If there's not, we don't try to half-fist game stuff into your throat. We'll talk about things like the 90s, parenting. And and the 80s? And the 80s. (laughs) All right. So if you're looking for a video game podcast where people make bad decisions just like you do in your everyday life, check out the Uncore Gamers. We're all just a bunch of scumbags. So remember, if it isn't about video games, we'll find a way to make it about video games. All right, and welcome back, everyone. That was the last break of the episode. Let's jump into the final five movies, and the first of which is called Tyler Perry's Boo 2, a Medea Halloween. Medea, Bam, and Hottie, Hattie, Hattie, Hattie? That sounds right. Stupid-ass names. Those three venture into a haunted campground to save a relative that went to a party there. They must then run for their lives after becoming the target of the cursed killer. This stars the cast of the first one. I remember when the first Boo A Medea Halloween came out, and I thought it looked funny. I really did. I haven't seen it yet, but it's still on my to-be-watch list. And this one looks like more of the same, but lesser. It looks like they phoned this one in 100%. I mean, any movie that focuses on Medea is totally relying on Tyler Perry's comedic timing and the fact that he's funny as this character, and there's not a lot of substance there. And for a movie like The First Boo, I didn't really care. It was a funny movie, a spoof on horror movies without being a true spoof like a scary movie movie. But when it comes to this one, it just looks sad and tired. And again, I'm going to bring up why is it Tyler Perry has to put his name on every f***ing thing he does? He's worse than those indie directors who have to put their names in the trailers, like a film by Marcel Duchamp. His new film, Fountain, is riveting. Are these Dada jokes doing anything for anyone? No? Okay, I'm sorry, I'll move on. But what else can I really say about this besides that if you liked the first one, you may like this one. And in my opinion, this looks like a tired sequel that was just made to capitalize on Tyler Perry's name. Just like a lot of Tyler Perry movies, actually. Weird, right? Tyler Perry's Boo 2, A Medea Halloween, gets a 3 out of 11. Next up in this week's offering from Hollywood is a movie called Wonderstruck. The story of a young boy in the Midwest told alongside the tale of a young girl from New York from 50 years ago as they both seek their dreams by running away from home. This stars Oakes Fegley from Pete's Dragon, the new one, Julianne Moore from Kingsman 2, The Golden Circle, and Michelle Williams from My Week with Marilyn. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the most acclaimed movie I've never heard of. So apparently this is based off a book 
by an author named Brian Selznick, who wrote this book for middle school kids, and it won awards for middle school literature. And then they go and make this movie that it looks like children would hate. I'm not saying that kids can't like serious movies. They can. I liked serious movies when I was a kid. But the way this movie was made and the way it's presented looks like it was made to impress the adult theater goer, especially those who love these indie films. You can have films for kids that don't pander to children. The Harry Potter series is a great example of it, and it's usually my go-to when I have to bring up examples for something like this. That being said, kids still need a little more just to keep them invested in a movie. So it looks like that there was something that happened from the book to the movie that was lost in translation because... I am a full-grown adult, and I am barely interested in this. Maybe this film was just made for fans of the book, and also that special group of adults who love to read, but only really read kidlit. Like, I know a couple people like that. Like, they're fully literate and very smart, but for some reason, the only books they read are, at the highest level, YA. And okay, no, there's nothing wrong with that, alright? But... There's so much more out there that they don't even look at just because it's not within their preferred reading age range. All right, I'm sorry. That has nothing to do with the movie. But this movie looks like it is well shot. It looks like it has good actors in it. I like Oakes Fegley and this new girl that's playing the uh, the young girl from New York in this, Millicent Simmons. Yeah, that's a great name for a kid. Oh, here's my daughter, Millicent. Yes, she doesn't get made fun of at school at all. Alright, I'm going off on another tangent here, but that's because I really don't have much to say about the movie. It looks truly mediocre. Doesn't look bad, doesn't look good. And nothing about this screams watch me either in the theaters or at home. This is getting good reviews, but mainly from asshole critics. This is a mediocre at best film that should be skipped by everyone. Wonderstruck gets a 5 out of 11. Next up on this week's show is a movie that I've actually seen advertised, at least in theaters, for a while now, and I can't believe it's only now coming out. That movie is called Same Kind of Different as Me. Deborah has dreams of helping people at a homeless shelter, much to her husband Ron's displeasure, as he worries about his wife. Ron is an international art dealer, and he must befriend a dangerous homeless man to save his struggling marriage. This stars Renee Zellweger from Bridget Jones's Diary, Greg Kinnear from As Good As It Gets, Jimin Honsu from Gladiator, John Voigt from Heat, and Dana Gruyere from The Hateful Eight. And welcome to this week's feel-good family and fellowship movie. Oh, how sweet. But this is based off a true story, and it's actually based off a book written by Ron Hall and the hopefully now formerly homeless man, Denver Moore. So this movie is a true story about this old black guy who or older black guy i'm not sure how old he was when this took place but is a homeless man working in what they call virtual slavery and not virtual as in online but virtual as in close enough to that it might as well be called slavery so we have this guy in a dire situation being helped by this guy who doesn't want to help him but is just helping him to get on the good side of his wife and then the two form a bond, form a friendship, they get to know each other. The dickhead art dealer goes, hey, maybe I shouldn't be such a dickhead. Maybe I'll learn a lesson. 
And the homeless guy probably has a lesson to learn somewhere, and he learns his lesson. And yay, they all live happily ever after. And as a story, I like this. This makes me feel good, that this guy in a really bad situation got help. This guy with a really bad mindset changed his mind, and it all wound up okay. I like that story. But as a movie, it's boring. We've seen these before, and the sad thing is that I've said time and time again, the sad thing is that... These stories, these triumphant, life-affirming movies, even though they're based off real events, even though they're all a little different, have the same tone and they feel stale. And then, of course, every time one of these movies comes out, there's that asshole out there that goes, why is it always white people helping black people? Oh, we have this great, all-knowing white person coming in to save the black guy. And to that, I say, go f*** yourself, you naysaying sack of sh**. So this story doesn't deserve to be told because it's a white guy helping a black guy. Blindside shouldn't be told because it's a white woman helping a black guy. Maybe the white people shouldn't have helped the black people at all. Maybe that was racist too. But once again, I'm going off on a tangent because I, I don't care enough about this movie. I'll probably end up watching it and here's how. Years later, it will show up on TV somewhere. Either my mom will watch it on HBO, she'll stumble across it, or it'll be on network TV, and she'll watch it and go, oh, this was a really good movie. Hey, have you seen this? And I go, no, I haven't, and then I'll watch it just so she can recommend a movie to me for once, and then I'll like it. Not enough to watch it again, not enough to own it, but I'll like it. I mean, I liked The Blind Side. But back to this movie, it looks sweet. It looks sweet and looks like a good movie with good life lessons about how we should help people and how we need to change the way we think about homelessness and modern-day slavery, and only then will we actually start to see change in our world. I like that story. I like that message. As a movie, it still looks boring. It still looks run-of-the-mill. It still looks mediocre. The same kind of different as me. It gets a 6 out of 11. And my friends, there are two movies left this week, and I found this week tough because I want to see both of these. I really do. And I actually had this next movie as the pick of the week until just now I rewatched the trailers and I switched them. So what movie was the pick of the week but jumped down to second place? Well, that movie is called Geostorm. Earth has a network of satellites designed to control the weather and save us from the natural disasters that global warming has caused. But when the satellites start to malfunction, a group of scientists must uncover what's causing the problem before a worldwide geostorm wipes out the world. The stars Gerard Butler from Rock and Rolla, Jim Sturgis from Across the Universe, Abby Cornish from Sucker Punch, Andy Garcia from The Untouchables, Ed Harris from The Rock, Richard Schiff from The West Wing, and Zazie Beetz from Atlanta. Uh, this film was written and directed by Dean Devlin of Independence Day and Stargate fame. And if you know me, you know why this movie had been my pick. It's because it looks absolutely stupid and over the top, and I love movies like that. It looks visually stunning with a bunch of CG all over the place and a ridiculous premise that could never, ever happen. At least not in my lifetime. And even if controlling the weather to this degree was possible, everything in this movie happening at the same time is just a little over the top. So we have these scientists who have to figure out what's wrong with the satellites to stop it. We have two people who are trying to kidnap the president of the United States and somehow easily do so just to get the codes that the president has. Because, you know, the president of the United States would want to keep the codes to himself and not give them to the scientists who need them. Like, what the f***, really? They better have a good explanation for that, or I'm just gonna be a little pissed off. 
And also, according to the trailer, even though this guy convinces his girlfriend, who's one of the Secret Service agents, to betray everyone else and get the president, even then it was way too easy. The president has way too much security that even one mole on the inside wouldn't have it be that easy. But still, this movie is stupid, and we expect it of it. It's stupid, and it's going to be fun. The one downside is I think the timing for this. Okay, well, they couldn't have known that we would have all these terrible hurricanes that have taken so many lives. They would have no way of knowing that when they planned the release date, but I think they should have at least pushed this movie back a little bit, just because I think it would do better then. Because of all the hurricanes, because of Texas and Puerto Rico, it won't be so fresh in our minds. It will still be going on, but at least if they push the movie back, it wouldn't constantly be in the news, so then you have this movie coming out about storms caused by global warming, killing countless people but the unfortunate timing aside this this looks fun it looks like day after tomorrow but to the next level it looks like it could theoretically be a sequel if they put a mention in there which i really don't think they'll do but if they put a mention in there of the events of day after tomorrow i will fully believe it and that movie was ridiculous too it was ridiculous over the top scientifically impossible but it was still fun and that's just what a lot of us look for in a movie. It's what I look for in a movie. It's just pure fun. Yes, sometimes I'll go see a more serious movie, like when I saw Silence or Foxcatcher or any of the other serious movies I've seen, but also I love to just enjoy myself, and that's what this movie is. The next movie, my pick of the week, is a little more serious, so it's going to be more of a thriller mystery. This one is just fun. How many times can I say the word fun when talking about this fun movie? We'll see. We'll see how many more times. It also has a reliable cast. Uh, I don't know much about Jim Sturgis, though, but everyone else I like. Zazie Beetz, of course, going to play Domino in Deadpool 2, which just finished post-production or just... It either finished filming or post-production. I forgot which one. But this is written and directed by Dean Devlin, who knows his way around silly, over-the-top sci-fi movies. Because, yes, this is a sci-fi movie, even though it doesn't have spaceships and aliens and It is science fiction. So, Independence Day resurgence aside, Dean Devlin knows what he's doing. He picked a cast. Well, he didn't, but the casting director picked a cast that knows what they're doing. This has good CG, not like Michael Bay movies where I'll have a bunch of great CG and then a couple scenes making you go, wait, what the f***? How did that terrible scene slip by anyone? But no, this looks like a popcorn flick to the max. If you like stupid action films, or stupid sci-fi films in this case, then Geostorm is for you. Geostorm gets an 8 out of 11. And with that, my future friends, it is my pick. Do you know what else is coming out? Do you know what my pick is? Well, if you do, then you'll know what I'm about to say. The Future Flicks pick of the week is The Snowman. Detective Harry Hole... <laughs> Never real... I, I did a, it didn't occur to me. His name didn't occur to me. Harry Hole... Jesus, Joe Nesbo is a terrible writer if he let that one slip by, unless he did it on purpose, but we'll, we'll get into that later. <clears throat> Here we go. Detective Harry Hole's newest case is a cold one. A killer tells him who the victims will be and taunts the detective when they're killed anyway, always decapitated with a snowman head left on top of their bodies. This stars Michael Fassbender from X-Men Days of Future Past, Rebecca Ferguson from Life, J.K. Simmons from The Accountant, and Val Kilmer from Batman Forever. All right, so what I was talking about with the Joe Nesbo guy is this is based off one of those series with a million books in it all about the same detective or the same person, kind of like a Jack Reacher, Jack Ryan. This time it's Harry Hole. How the f*** 
did that name slip by anyone, unless Joe Nesbo did it on purpose, in which case, good job. You made a successful mystery series with a character with a silly name. I applaud you, sir, unless you didn't do it on purpose, in which case you are one stupid motherfucker. Either way, this movie looks exactly as I would expect based on the book's premise. The whole movie looks dark. Even when it's shot during the day, there's something about it that just screams, this is a really dark movie. Michael Fassbender plays your typical old grizzled detective, or in his case, older, as he's not really old yet, but does so with his Michael Fassbender charm. If you go see this movie, you're going to see a dark mystery with potentially violent and grotesque murders. Though in the trailer, it never showed the murders getting too crazy. Of course, we never saw any Red Band trailers. But at least the aftermath is going to be a little grisly with decapitated bodies with piles of snow on top of it. And apparently the heads turn up later. Can Harry Hole find the killer? Well, yes. Yes, he can. Joe Nesbo is one of these book-a-year type authors who do so many stories about the same person, and most of the time they are one-shots, you know, self-contained stories. And that's why it's not terribly important that you read these books in order. You can jump around. Sometimes you'll be confused. Like, if a new character is introduced, you might be like, who's this person? But they'll always explain who that person is in the book. Like, that's why I like the Dresden Files series so much, is because even though there are 13, 14 books now in the series, it really does does matter what order you read them in because all the stories tie in together whereas things like the Jack Reacher series and the Kathy Wright books uh, about bones those don't really matter and there's nothing wrong with that if you like those type of books there's nothing wrong with that at all they're they're still good stories but now you have to ask yourself do you want to watch this story I mean, it looks good, but it also looks like you won't be missing out if you don't see it. It's not like some of these summer blockbusters are coming out. It's not like a horror like Jigsaw that really benefits from the theater treatment. I do believe you should see this movie. I do believe everyone should put this on their list. That's why this is my pick of the week. But whether or not you see it in theaters is up to you. There have been quite a few weeks recently with skippable movie weeks where there's really nothing that you have to see in theaters. I've been way too busy to see a movie in, god, in almost a month now, and I didn't really miss out. I still want to see Blade Runner, I miss that, but other than that, there's nothing that screams watch me until, at the very least, next week's Jigsaw. But all that aside, this is my pick of the week, and I give The Snowman an 8 out of 11. And that's it. That is it for the movie. Sorry this episode was so late. Like I said, I've been really busy lately with work and I've been sick and I'm switching jobs so my schedule got all messed up. Hopefully this will be the last episode that I actually release on a Friday and I'm very sorry about that. But let's jump into the question of the week. We got a couple answers because this was a little more difficult question. And I find that if the questions are more involved than a what's your favorite blank type of movie, I get fewer answers. But we did get some, and we're gonna talk about them. The first answer comes from the ever-faithful, ever-amazing Brian Q, who first said, I really wish I could have seen The Day the Clown Cried. That's a Jerry Lewis movie, and a famously missing one. It's supposed to be a really good performance, like his best performance, but you can't find copies of this. I did a Google search, just a simple one. I didn't dive too far down any rabbit hole, but a lot of places claimed, oh, we have it here, but they don't really. There's, they just have a couple clips or not even clips, just pictures. And so I agree. I agree with you, Brian. I really wish I could see this too, because it's, it's cinema history. But he continues in another tweet and says, I nominate Jerry Lewis on potential alone. And you know what? I'll take it. Just because the day the clown cried is legendary. 
It's like the Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster of movies. And then we turn to Instagram where we got the rest of our answers. Chris G says Jim Carrey as Joel in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And that's a classic. It, it really is. I heard rumors that people involved... I haven't heard about Jim Carrey though, but I've heard other actors want to do a sequel. Though I don't think the movie needs a sequel. I think it was fine the way it was, but... If it comes out, I'll watch it. I believe one of the founding fathers of the Uncork Gamers, I believe. Could have been him or his brother or both. Jordy, one of my friends from work, answered Robin Williams in Insomnia. And good lord, that is a chilling performance. Insomnia was a movie from a while back. Let me actually look it up. Movie back from 2002 starring Al Pacino and, of course, Robin Williams. Also, Hilary Swank, and oh, geez, I didn't know this. It was directed by Christopher Nolan. There's something. But it's basically about these two cops who are sent to this town in, uh, I believe, Alaska. But just because I say that just because the sun doesn't set, and it, it wasn't obviously Canadian. Like, they never said Canada in there, unless I'm just terribly wrong. Uh, but they're sent to this town to investigate the death of a teen. And then there's Robin Williams, who basically comes up to Al Pacino and says, Yeah, I did it. Good luck catching me. I am f***ing insane. It, it was a really good performance from him. Of course, Robin Williams never had bad performances, but that and One Hour Photo, I think, were two of his creepiest roles. That shows just how great Robin Williams was. Tatiana from The Coalition replied. She says, as weird as it sounds... The one that comes to mind right now is Ashton Kutcher in The Butterfly Effect. There's one that really sticks out to me that I talk about frequently, but I'm jet-lagged and can't remember. Well, Tatiana, if you think about it, if you think about what it is, answer. And I'll talk about it in whatever episode you remember it during. But as much as it gets, I liked it. I mean, there were tons of plot holes, like, all over the place. But if you could just sit back and zone out, it was fun. And then if you watched the extras with the alternate ending, it gets really stupid when he kills himself in the womb. Yeah, that's possible. And then we turn to SoundCloud for our last answer. We get one from Herc, somewhat nerdy's own Herc, that is. He says, this one's easy. The phenomenal Robin Williams. As a comedic actor, everything he touched was gold. We'll forgive him for death to Smoochie. I actually like that movie. Then on the other hand, when this man took on serious roles, he was just as good, if not better. And I wholeheartedly agree. So we have two votes for Robin Williams on this one. But now it's time for my answer. And Robin Williams, of course, is on the list, but there's one that comes to mind. But I want to give honorable mentions to a few other people. First was Dane Cook and Mr. Brooks. I mean, Dane Cook fell out of popularity fast as his style of comedy became old really quick. But in Mr. Brooks, that was a movie with Kevin Costner where he plays this, this older dude who had this demon following him around. Not an actual demon, just someone in his mind following him around, telling him to kill people. Dane Cook played this psychopath who got in on it. Uh, Seth Rogen and Steve Jobs, I think one of Seth Rogen's best performances. Steve Carell, of course, in The Big Short and Foxcatcher. Like, Foxcatcher was amazing, and he did a great job. And I'm like I said before, I'm never going to watch that movie again because it's so uncomfortable when he acts in that. But my answer, a movie I've talked about before... Billy Crystal in Mr. Saturday Night, one of my all-time favorite movies. So this was Billy Crystal's passion project. So he had really made it after City Slickers and When Harry Met Sally. So he wrote and directed this, and he got the funding for this. And this was the movie he wanted to make, showing how celebrities, or people who aren't yet celebrities, will put that need to be famous first and forego their family. And so it shows this guy, who worked hard to get his big shot who ignored his family to get his big shot, got it, 
and now is an old man looking back going, okay, I was great, but what am I now? Where's my family? Where's... Where's everything? I know Ken from the Watch Your Mouth podcast agrees with me on this one, that it's a great movie. And if you haven't seen Mr. Saturday Night, put it on your list, please. You won't regret it. But it's time for the question of the week for next week. And next week is Halloween week. So keeping that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, what is your must watch movie for Halloween? Once again, what is your must watch movie for Halloween? Now with that, let's jump into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few moments out of your day to give the podcast a rating. It doesn't take long. Just log into iTunes, search for the podcast, please give me five stars, and then tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN, Instagram at BilliamSWN, and email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget the Watch Your Mouth podcast and Uncorked Gamers, two really good friends of the show. Don't forget to check out Big D the Movie Hunter on YouTube. Link, as always, in the show notes. And remember to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all the latest blogs and news. We just did a nerd talk again. We're getting back into those. We're going to do one for Halloween. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.